Galatians chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 6 through 18 this morning, continuing our study and actually finishing our study in the book of Galatians. Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia. And as we've gone through Galatians over these last few months, we've learned that the theme is really legalism versus grace. In that, how do you approach God? Is it by legalistic human efforts or is it by the grace of God and and through the cross and, and through his work and not your works? And and so it's those diametrical Ways of approaching God. Legalism versus grace. And we've also learned that legalism produces a self-focus in our life. Whereas grace causes us to focus upon Jesus and then in turn focus upon others. Where legalism, it makes you think that you're going to be closer to God, but in actuality it turns your focus inwardly. They, they want you to think that, yes, you're going to be more like the Lord and you're going to be excited about God and you're going to be closer to Him than you've ever been. But in fact, you get depressed and you get discouraged and you begin to turn your focus upon yourself instead of Jesus and others. And others was the focus of our study last week as we looked at the first five verses of chapter 6. And we saw that as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility. And that is a responsibility to restore a struggling brother or sister and to bear other people's burdens. You see, legalistic people, they don't restore people. They don't bear other people's burdens. In fact, what they say is, hey, you ought to be handling that yourself. You should have never been in that situation to begin with. And there's judgment and there's condemnation. But grace says, you know what? I could be in that very same place myself if it wasn't for the grace of God. I could be right where you're at. How can I help you? How can I take some pressure off of you? How can I help to bring restoration into your life? And so you see the difference. You see the difference between legalism and grace. And Jesus wants us to understand His grace. And even this morning as we come before the communion table it's all about grace jesus wants us to understand his grace he wants us to be strong in grace he wants us to grow in grace you guys he wants us to experience grace so that we might extend grace and if you're not extending grace in your life it's because you're not experiencing grace If you're not giving it to others, it's because it's not happening in your own heart. And in our text this morning, I want us to see three things. I want us to see the principle of sowing and reaping. I want us to see the power of the cross. And then finally, we're going to see Paul's closing comments. Why don't we pray before we get into the word? Father, we ask as we open your word this morning, that God, you would open it to us, that you would break bread with us, that, Lord, you would reveal yourself to us, challenge us, draw us closer to you than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Most of us are aware that God has established certain laws. There's all kinds of laws that that we're familiar with, at least conceptually, that we experience daily. How about the law of gravity? We're aware of that, that if you, you know, walked up on the roof of this building and threw yourself off, that within a matter of seconds you're going to hit the ground. In fact, Newton's law says that anything in motion will remain in motion until it comes in contact with with something else that's in motion. And unfortunately, that can very often be the ground. And, you know, it doesn't feel real good. And so we are aware of the law of gravity. We're aware of the law of entropy, at least, again, conceptually. We're aware that, that things start in order and they progressively become disorderly. And the law of gravity and the law of entropy kind of work together. If, if you're older, you understand that as your body begins to sag, you know. It's just sort of the law of gravity and the law of entropy taking over. And, you know, you buy a new car. And it's shiny and it's brand new and it's got that smell. And then over time it just sort of gets dirty and it gets scratched and it gets dented and the engine blows up. That's the law of entropy. Things are going from order to disorder. Everything. You pull a nice ripe peach off the tree and you set it on your counter. And in a few days it went from being ripe to being rotten. Everything is falling apart. Our bodies, our homes, everything. And we are aware of these laws that God has established. And they're laws that were set up in the Word of God long before science recognized them. You know the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that the earth is round. And yet, for millennia, people thought the earth was flat. And if they would have just read the Bible, they would have seen it was round. The Bible tells us a lot of things about life that scientists later have confirmed. Some things they haven't confirmed, and they're still trying to fight against, but one day they will confirm it. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He's the Creator. But there's also a law that we're familiar with that Paul uses as an illustration for our own life, it is the law of sowing and reaping. That is, whatever you sow into the ground, you expect to reap that crop. In other words, if you sow wheat into the ground, you expect wheat to crop up. If you sow corn, you expect corn. You don't put corn seed into the ground and then expect carrots to pop up. You don't put wheat into the ground and then expect alfalfa to come along later. You understand the principle. that There is a natural law that the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 1. The seed after its own kind. And this law not only has application agriculturally, and we see it all around us. We see it in our front yards. We see it in the fields of alfalfa. We see it in gardens. Not at my house because we gave up gardening in Central Oregon a long time ago. It's just like, you know, unless you're Mark Richards, it's a complete waste of time. But 
There is this principle of sowing and reaping. And this principle is not only true agriculturally, but it's true spiritually as well. And it has two implications that I want to talk about this morning. One is corporate. That is our church life, our our ministry, our fellowship, those people that we gather together with like we are this morning. And we call that church. The church isn't a building. The church is people. But there is a corporate implication. And then there is a personal implication of this principle of sowing and reaping. Paul says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And so this is the corporate application and implication that I want to hit on first. The body life, the church life, how it applies. That is that we need to be sowing seeds into that place that we call our home spiritually. We need to be investing in that. Let him who is taught the word. That assumes the fact that you have a church that you call your home, that you're being taught, that you're teachable. To be taught, you need to be teachable. And so you can be coming to church but not being taught because you're not teachable. But hopefully you're being taught, you're being ministered to, your children are being taught, your children are being ministered to. And this is an established principle scripturally right from the very genesis of the church. In Acts chapter 2, we see them gathering together, continuing in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And the Lord added to their number daily. And they were gathering together in communion, in fellowship. And it was actually a necessity that they lived together because here were all these people. And they gathered in Jerusalem and they were celebrating Pentecost. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just came upon them big time. And 3,000 people got saved. And what were they going to do? They needed to disciple these people. And so rather than sending them back to their homes throughout the known world... Because you remember, the Jews were scattered. They said, why don't you stay here in Jerusalem? We'll start a church here. We'll live together. We'll share everything we have. And that's what they did. And you can read about that in Acts. And God moved powerfully. But we don't live together today, but we still have church. And it's a big part of our life as Christians. At least it should be. And we ought to be investing in that. And so if this is the place that you call home spiritually, if this is your church, you ought to be investing into this in a few ways. With your treasures, with your time, and with your talents. With your treasures. And that's not something that we like to talk about a lot here. It comes up in the Word and we talk about it because it's an established principle in the Word of God. And I know it's a very touchy subject, and it's not one that I deal with lightly. It's why we don't pass the plate here. Because I don't ever want people to feel pressured or to feel like that is um, the focus. But it is scriptural. The Bible says, whatever you've purposed in your heart, give that to the Lord. And so we're not talking about percentages. We're not talking about a certain amount. But we're talking about the fact that each week when you gather together with other believers, 
in that place that you call home spiritually, that you would be investing in that. Whatever it is that you can give, whatever it is that you've purposed in your heart to give to the Lord. That you would be investing because you're saying, you know what? That place is ministering to me. It's important to me. And I want to be able to free up those people who are on staff and who are serving. I want to be able to free them up to minister. And I want to invest in that. You know, and so you're making an investment, not only in your own life, but in the life of others in the church and in the community. And so everything that you're giving and then is being used in ministry, that's being credited to you. Whether it be by allowing me to be freed up to to do what I do. And so the people that are being ministered to through the Word of God, that's to your account. Whether it be the missionaries that we support, whether it be the people that come to Christ here, whether it be the people that are being discipled, whether it be Sunfest and the ministry there, however it is that we're using those funds, that's being credited to you. But if you're not investing in that, then you're not reaping those rewards. See, whatever you sow, you will reap. And the thing is, you guys, is that our finances really show us a lot about where our heart's at. We need to remember that what we do with our material goods is an evidence of how we value spiritual things. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, the Bible says. And so what you're doing with your treasure really shows where your heart's at and what's important to you. And see, we will use our funds for either spiritual things or fleshly things. And people that aren't giving to the Lord, they're using those funds on something. They're using it for themselves. And so I I don't know what it is that God would want you to give, but I know this, that wherever you're at financially, you need to be setting something aside, whether it's a dollar or ten dollars, Whatever it is that you have, make that commitment to be disciplined to give to the Lord. To say, this is important. I want to see Pastor Ryan be freed up to to do the thing that he's called to do and to minister to this church. I want to see Stuart be able to do what God's called him to do. And, and, And the others that are on staff. See, we're here to bless you. We're not sitting around twiddling our thumbs. We're not, you know, here just so that we can have an easy life. You know, if if it were possible for me to do another job, that's what I would probably do that. I, I had a, a very successful business, but it just became where I couldn't do either one very well. And so we invest in those things because we're saying this is important to me. See, and if you're not investing... It's not very important to you. You will invest in those things that are important to you. And so, something to think about with that principle of sowing and reaping. And it's really awesome when you do commit to doing that, that you reap the reward of everything that's going on. 
in this ministry and, and all that's entailed in that. But it's not only treasures, it's also our time and our talents. See, there are many people who serve the Lord here for your benefit and for your blessing. And we get spoiled because we just show up and we think, well, everything's taken care of. Somebody's handing me a bulletin. Somebody's made coffee. Somebody's straightened the chairs. Somebody's cleaned the church. Somebody's watching my babies. Somebody's teaching my kids. Somebody's ministering to my teenager. Somebody's teaching Bible studies. And we think, yeah, everything's being taken care of. But you need to find out where you can fit into that. And week after week, when you see that announcement that says we need help in the nursery or we need help in the Sunday school or or we need help, you know, in whatever ministry. And you just let that pass by thinking, well, somebody else will will do it. See, that's that's a common perception. Somebody else will do it. And that same perception pervades our entire life. Well, somebody else will raise my kids. Just dump them off at the school and somebody else will do it. Somebody else will minister to my family. Husbands. Somebody else will provide. Somebody else, somebody else. It's always somebody else. And that's true even in our ministry. We think, well, somebody else will do it. Everything's being taken care of. But here's the thing. Everything's being taken care of by people just like you who don't have any more time than you do. You say, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. There's people here that serve their tails off who I guarantee you are a lot more busy than you are. I can guarantee you that. Who are here all the time. And they make sacrifices for you. We have a worship team that meets Thursday nights. They take that time out of their schedule. Then they're here for both services Sunday. They're they're here to bless you and to minister to you. We have a leadership team that is needing to be available all the time so that this church can function properly. We have people that come in and clean the church. You guys, if you're not involved in ministry, this isn't condemnation. This is just me as your pastor lighting a little fire under you, saying it's time to serve. It's time to get involved. We all have a part to play. We all have a talent. We all have some time. See, time is, is, is really another thing that really determines where our heart's at. We're going we're gonna to spend our time on what's important to us and what's our priority. And so the corporate implication of this sowing and reaping. And it's so cool, that principle, because... Not everybody's called to get up here and teach the Word of God. But you know what? Maybe you're called to watch babies. And you know what? The reward is the same. Because as you watch that baby and you free that mom and dad up to be able to just simply hear the Word of God and to worship, then you're receiving that same reward. See? When... Maybe you're not much of an event planner, but man, you can tell people about what's going on. You can hand them a bulletin. And you can say, hey, did you see this? Did you see what this is happening here? And you encourage people. And that's the same blessing. 
and the same reward. And maybe you can't teach Sunday school, but maybe you can clean a mean toilet. See, and all those things need to be done. All of those things need to be done. To free other people up so that they can do what God's called them to do. And you know what? We have some people in the church who are doing too many things. And you know who they are. And you're letting them do those things. You're letting them do five, six different things. And you need to come alongside them and you need to say, Hey, what is it that you're doing that I can take off your shoulders? How can I come alongside you and help you out? That's the corporate implication. But there's also a personal implication. And that is sowing things into our own life personally. It's very simple. And yet it takes discipline that what we're sowing into our heart is what we will reap and what we will harvest out of our life. And so if you're sowing to the flesh, you will reap corruption, as he says here in verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. Don't lie to yourself. This isn't rocket science, Paul's saying. But again, don't lie to yourself. Just like you can't defy the law of gravity, you cannot defy the law of sowing and reaping in your own life. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, God will not be your fool. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Look at the life of Samson. Look what Samson sowed, and then look what Samson reaped. It's very simple. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting or abundant life. And so here's the thing, you guys. What are you sowing into your life? Is it fleshly? Is it worldly? Is that the constant thing that is being sown? Are those the seeds that are being planted in your heart? Then don't be surprised when of that you reap corruption and devastation and failed marriages and devastated relationships and ruined lives. Don't be surprised by that. If you constantly sow to the flesh, that's what you will reap. The book of Malachi says, if you sow to the wind, you'll reap of the whirlwind. That, that's what you can expect. And here's the thing. There's no neutrality here. Maybe you think, well, I'm just really not sowing any seeds. You know, it's just kind of like bare land. You know, kind of like my house. Just a bunch of sagebrush. It doesn't work that way. Whatever it is, whatever piece of opportunity you have, that is your own heart and your own life, you will be sowing into that whether you know it or not. The other day I was over at the Richards house and and Mark Richards is like a total green thumb. Before he was saved, he used to grow other stuff. Now he now he grows now he grows vegetables. And he's amazing. He's got this greenhouse. If you ever get a chance, you should go check it out. He's got peach trees in there and and tomatoes and and um so he's taking me around his greenhouse 
and there's like romaine lettuce growing in the pathways. And I said, what's with the romaine in the path? And he goes, well, last year it went to seed and, you know, it just now it's springing up again. So here's the thing. He didn't intend for the romaine to grow in the path, but it did anyway. And you may not be aware of what you're sowing in your life. You may think you're not doing anything. But you're sowing seeds and it will crop up. And that's why the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent must take it by force. It's very proactive. You have to be sowing good seed into your heart in order to expect to reap an abundant life. And that good seed is the word of God. It's prayer. It's fellowship. Again, it's not rocket science. It's very, very simple, but it takes discipline. Just like it takes discipline to be a farmer. They don't want to get out there and plow the ground and remove the rocks and till the soil. They don't want to get out there and sow the seed and pull the weeds that come up. They don't want to do that stuff. They don't want to be out there changing pipe when everybody else is at the lake. But that's what they do. And if they don't, it'll reap corruption they'll starve to death and maybe spiritually you're starving because you're not feeding the land that God has given you that is your heart remember how Jesus compared our heart to soil what kind of seeds are you planting in your life is it things of the flesh And we'll be planting seeds by what we watch, by what we listen to, by those that we associate with, by where we go. And some of those things you cannot help. You've got to go to work, and maybe you work in a really sort of vile environment. But that's why you need to be in the Word of God on a daily basis. Otherwise, it will pull you down. It will destroy you. Maybe your family isn't saved. Maybe you're the only one and you're around that all the time. And that's why you need to be constantly immersing yourself and saturating yourself in the things of God. And so you guys, what kind of seeds are you sowing in your life? Is it seeds of the Spirit or is it seeds of the flesh? And all you have to do is look at the harvest that your life is producing. The fruit tells a story. Just like when you look at a fruit tree, you can see if that fruit tree is healthy or if that fruit tree is dying. You can tell by the kind of fruit it possesses. And the fruit in your life will tell a story of what kind of seeds you're sowing in your life. And it takes discipline. Just like it takes discipline to sow seeds into your corporate life that we talked about into your church life, that financial investment, that time investment, using your gifts, that takes discipline. It takes discipline to write that check. I mean, there's so many other things that I could spend that money on. Hey, I understand that. 
I understand that very well. Man, there's so many other things that I could be spending my time on. I, I get that. There's a lot of stuff out there that's fun to do, a lot of hobbies, a lot of things that are pulling at your attention. But you guys, this life is very short. And we all need to have fun and we need to relax and we need to have hobbies. But there's a, there's a fine line there where those things are consuming your life. There's a fine line between providing for your family and having it consume you because you're greedy. And so determine as you get before the Lord. But it takes discipline. It takes discipline to do those things. Just like it takes discipline to be a farmer. And it also takes discipline to sow good seed into your life personally. Man, it takes discipline to get into the Word of God. There's no question. That is not easy. Why is it so much easier to read ESPN the magazine or, you know, I don't know, Martha Stewart Living or, you know... Nobody reads the newspaper anymore. Why is it so easy to get online and surf the web and and read those things? I mean, I can do that for hours. But why is it so hard to get into the Word of God, which is our very life? It's because it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle that we talked about in chapter 5 between the flesh and the spirit. And it's very real. And you've got to win that battle on a daily basis or you will reap corruption. It's a discipline to pray. There may not be any more difficult spiritual discipline. Because I don't know about you, but my mind is really busy. I think sometimes I have adult ADD. I, you know, I'm just, I'm always thinking about something. I'm always wanting to do something else. And I'm always wanting to try something and go here. And, you know, I'm very spontaneous. And you know what? It's hard for me to, to be alone. I don't like to be alone. It's hard for me to be quiet. I don't like quiet. Never, just, I've never been around quiet. So I, you know, I've always got the radio on. I've always got something. And you know what? I have to discipline myself to be quiet. And sometimes I'll just leave for the day and I'll drive up to the lake and I'll spend time with the Lord. And you know what? That is hard for me to do. It's really hard for me to do. Because I want to get my Blackberry out and I want to see who's emailing and I want to see what's going on in the world. And I'm just, that's me. And so it's a discipline, you guys. It's a discipline. And I fail in that area. And I know that many of you do as well. And we have to continually fight that battle. It's a discipline to be in fellowship. I mean, look, we're a seven day a week society anymore. There's always something going on. There's always, you know, sporting events and, and shopping and uh, work that comes up and family issues. And there's something every day. There's not a day. And so this is a discipline. You guys are a rarity in our culture and in our society. And it's not easy to take that time out. But you need to continue doing it. And that's what Paul encourages us to do is to continue He says, and let us not grow weary, verse 9, while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so in all of those things, in sowing good things into your corporate life, into your personal life, keep doing it. 
Maybe you're not seeing the fruit. Maybe you're involved in ministry and man, it's just difficult. Ministry's hard. I mean, there's a lot of times where I think, you know what, I'm not seeing any fruit. Maybe I ought to just give it up. Maybe I should just hang it up. This is really tough. I'm not, I'm not seeing the things I want to see. I'm not seeing the fruit. I'm not seeing the, the end result that I thought I would.